Yo, what's good, everybody? It is Chip Black Stream, and we are back at it again with part two of He-Man, She-Ra, and Thunder, Thunder, Thundercats. Oh! <laughs> and with me today, we got Cookie Guys. Dude, how are you doing today, sir? Man, I'm excited. I'm excited. We finally get a chance to go ahead and continue on to what we finished talking about in part one. And best believe, I have a quite a few people who was actually pretty excited about about that last um part that we had, man. Like um, even my father-in-law was sitting here talking with him about it and stuff, and he was like, "You made good points." Because it was a lot of plot holes, and even he didn't know about all the plot holes in Shira. <laughs> <laughs> nice, cool, cool. I appreciate that, folks. Um, we do love doing this podcast, and of course, there's gonna be a lot more topics that we're gonna discuss. But today, let's go ahead and get into the thick of things, like, for instance, the reception of Masters of the Universe Revelation, and more about Thundercast and Shira. And Cook, you guys, so I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to you. Okay, so let's go ahead and start off with Revelation. First thing I want to mention is I know back in part one, we had talked, I had mentioned about the new Avengers of He Man, where they had He Man and Skeletor going to a whole different planet called Primus. And that's where mm-hmm. their, their story continues. Well, that got completely dropped. So, <laughs> Masters of the Universe Revelation takes place at the end of the original He Man series. So, mm-hmm. First thing to keep in mind is some really important stuff that happened in the original He-Man that you got to understand about. First thing is, is that Man-at-Arms is getting old in age and he wants to retire. So he wants to pass the mantle on to his adopted daughter, Tila. So this is where the premise of uh, Masters of the Universe Revelations starts off at. It starts off with Tila has finally graduated to become the new Man-at-Arms to go ahead and take over the mantle. And that's where it starts off at. Skeletor has planned it properly this time. He knows that all the Masters of the Universe are all attending Tila's inauguration. And while they're doing that, he plans to take over Graceful. But then, and this is where the writing starts getting a little crazy. He finds out Graceful is just a front. (laughs) That that's not even the true castle or its true name. Is actually just the the castle of magic and power, and literally Grayskull just disguises it so people don't even know who it really is, and it's been hidden for centuries and shit like that. So, uh. <laughs> first thing to keep in mind on this, this is one thing that I'm curious to see what's going to happen because remember we already talked about that big plot hole in Shira, how Skeletor wound up talking to Hordak, who's across dimensions and. Still haven't really explained that. The only real villain that would have known this is Hordak. So it would make sense if Hordak is the one who let Skeletor know. But we have absolutely no idea. Um, so far, as far as we understand, they've kind of scrapped Shira. That's been completely scrapped from the series as well, too. So Matthew Universe is supposed to be a continuation, but y'all done already scrapped off a bunch of stuff. I'm trying to figure out where this is going to go. <laughs> so it's already upset on that the biggest thing is and i'm it's going to be a big spoiler to this but this happens in like episode two just going to be honest on this uh he man dies so whenever you have a situation of a hero the main character dying there has to be a new mantle to take up that or you got to find a way to bring the hero back and the writing sets up tila 
to be the new person to take over. But the biggest thing that a lot of people are upset about is Tila was never that important person in the series originally. So (laughs) was not an obvious step. It was not something that many people really expected to happen. I mean, again, nobody really expected He-Man to die either. Because the way he died was was bullshit. He died because Skeletor fucked up and destroyed the Pearl of Power, causing an about to cause an explosion that would have killed the entire universe and all the realms from Skeletor fucking up because he got greedy. So again, that's the first bad writing into that that we're like, okay. Um, the only good writing part that happened into it is when all of a sudden the sword of power splits in two and splits into its form of the ether realm of the positive and then the negative realm of negative you know of all the of darkness and shit so and it's like oh hold on the sword was actually two this is (laughs) that was probably the most interesting part of the whole series and that is where our premise comes into play Tila has unfortunately just found out that Prince Adam was He-Man. And as soon as she found out, he died. Mm. And Skeletor just finds out that Prince Adam is He-Man. And as soon as he finds out, he dies. So so we're like, what the fuck? Wait a minute. (laughs) What's going on here? This doesn't make sense. This is way... Just dropping like flies, man. Yeah. This is the where things immediately start off. Actually, it immediately started when Skeletor finally killed Mossman. And we're sitting here like, and honestly, that was one of those ones like, how come he didn't do that shit before? Like, <laughs> set the dude on fire. There you go. Boom. You know, he's dead. Uh, Murdered to death. And like, the Mossman, I, I felt, here's the thing. Mossman, for like major DC fans, the green and Swamp Thing. Mossman, yeah. Mossman is the literal perfect mix of Swamp Thing being fully taken over by the green. Not even fully taken over, but fully incorporating the green. So Mossman is supposed to be of Eternia itself. He, he's of the soil of the land. But he's also like Swamp Thing. In the series, the original series, he has been not really defeated, but almost killed several times, but he's always able to regenerate back. Swamp Thing has literally been destroyed and then comes back because he's like, no, my consciousness is actually part of the green. What you destroyed was just a body. Who cares? I can make as many bodies as I want. Why he's, couldn't Mossman... He's like Zetsu from Naruto. Exactly, but why couldn't Mossman do the same thing? You destroy this one body and all of a sudden, oh, I'm dead. Really? This dude has regenerated multiple times in the series and all of a sudden he's dead? Wait, hold up. <laughs> this doesn't make sense. Something's not right. Fans were very upset on that. Because heroes are dying, man. We, we, it kills literally every. They killed damn near everybody at this point. Oh, <laughs> how our heroes fall! Yeah, and then also Skeletor's gone, and because of Skeletor's fuck up, magic is leaving Eternia, meaning that um, Eternia is going to wind up drying out and dying because there's not going to be any magic to keep it going anymore. And so, you get this journey with Tila. Because and Tila's pissed off because I found out that Prince Adam was He Man and y'all all knew and no one ever told me I was the only one left out and I'm sorry this is terrible writing because 
Tila has always been set up to be that badass. Like, even though she yeah. wasn't important, be honest, she was a badass. When she fought, her fighting skills were on par with He-Man. Not Adam. Adam couldn't really fight. But He-Man, like, she was on par with that. So she was always a great warrior. And her writing just destroyed her mentality. Like, I mean, when you think about it, Tila's strength came from experience. Adam's strength came from a sword. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the thing about it is, is that you destroyed all that from her mentality. Like, oh, she's so mentally weak that she's just upset. My friend held this secret from me. She's more upset about the fact that she never knew that Adam was He-Man other than the fact that Adam died. <laughs> she was more <laughs> upset that he had the secret than he died. Everybody else is more upset that the dude is dead. Hell, the king, you know, when he found out, he wasn't just upset about the fact that, oh, my son was He-Man. I didn't know the secret or shit like that. No, he was upset because his son was dead. And the person who was supposed to protect him was Man-at-Arms. And as far as he's concerned, Man-at-Arms failed at that duty. And he got stupid and banished Man-at-Arms from the castle. And then made it illegal for Man-at-Arms to make weapons. How do you take the most master blacksmith and tell him he can't make weapons anymore. <laughs> how do how the hell are you gonna tell this man, oh, you're not allowed to make a living anymore? What? That's exactly what he did. That's exactly what he did. He banished it. But then there's the crazy shit about it, okay? There's a time skip that happens after this. We never see the king and queen again, ever. The only thing we see is that the common people have been affected by the fact that magic is gone. Um, man at arms. Him, Orko, and his own and Robot Man are just trying to live normal lives as like poor people and shit. But because magic's draining, everyone's kind of feeling like they're about to die out because they can't, there's no magic to bring the life back to the earth again, to not earth to attorney again. So there's no real plants to to try to nurture. There's not really many animals roaming around because there aren't the plants have been dying out. So it's literally apocalypse at this point. It's, it, everything is dying. And the biggest flip to me that was stupid was Skeletor's gone. So the new big bad is Triclops. Mm-hmm. Of, of all of Skeletor's henchmen. Y'all, y'all really went with Triclops. <laughs> yeah, I love it. He was stupefied on that. He said Triclops. He said, "What about Beast Man?" Yo, yo, it's like that same reaction Soldier Boy had about Drake. It was like Triclops, Triclops. <laughs> <laughs> It, I mean, as far as the writing, I, I guess it makes sense. There's no magic in the world, so the best thing to do is now rely on technology. So they're just... But then I'm still trying to figure this shit out because we got some Matrix shit going on here. Like, somehow or another, and this is really unexplained, like completely unexplained, there's a special rock that produces a mechanical fluid or some shit, and... Triclops has his cult of cyborgs where if they drink of a chalice that has this fluid in it, then they automatically start sprouting robot parts. Oh, uh, okay. 
like, <laughs> magic is dying, right? So that that looks like magic to me. I've never seen no form of technology that does this shit. Like I'm, <laughs> this is some Matrix type shit. And even in Matrix, they were in the Matrix for that shit to happen. There was no. <laughs> I just got turned into a robot. What? <laughs> Bro, it's almost like they're trying to transition to a new form of magic. You know, like how they say that magic is just a science unexplained, but they try to go that route with it. But I'm just like, um, you I do would, need to take into account into good writing into that. Like, look, I'm gonna take more into account of Rick and Morty magic versus science. Okay, that yeah. is more believable to me than what the hell this they tried to do on this. So that just it, shit just didn't make sense. Okay. You got Tila, who's supposed to be the new mantle of hero, but now she's rejected it because I'm so mad. All you guys, just all y'all ever do is lie to me. And then she storms off and she's gone for like t- for like five or ten years. I'm like, what the fuck? What? R- this is really what you did to her. You said she's supposed to be the main person we're following. She's supposed to be the one that we're like, hey, this is the new hero of the story. Bitch, I don't, I'm not following her. Like... She stormed off in attitude because she was like, no. you didn't tell me that Adam was He-Man. Girl, how about you no. help save the world? Shit. <laughs> you guys, let me pause you right there. You know, not to start any beef or anything, but, you know, there's this trope or this trend going on nowadays in comics to where it seems like because there's not a whole lot of female superheroes for women to look up to, uh, again, to a point to where the iconic men that had the original mantle are dying out to make room for women in that same position. You have Ironheart, you have Captain Carter, you have Captain Marvel, you have so many different characters that originally had a male role, but it's now being transitioned over to a female role. And I feel like even with this show, they're trying to make it to that Here's what pissed me off when Kevin Smith went on Twitter and said, this show is going to be a He-Man show. Like, oh, we're assuming that He-Man is going to be involved throughout all six episodes. No, that's not what happened. Um, See, we're not just mad that with the terrible writing and all that. We're mad that we're practically lied to. We're expecting for it to be a He-Man show, but you made it so that way Tila is the main star. So it's almost like you did a bait and switch on us. And I was like, yeah. bruh, what the hell? Yeah. There's a whole lot of rippings in this, man. It's a it's just it's just not good. And then I don't know if you have you have you finished it yet? Because I, I don't necessarily want to spoil it for you, but like I honestly, bro, like I don't even care for spoilers. Like, okay. go ahead. I'm I'm immune yeah. to spoilers. Like, you go ahead. So this is how much bullshit the final episode is. Okay, but before I even get to the final episode, first thing again, like, so yeah, Tila's our main person. So first thing in this is that they made Tila, you know, she's this powerhouse, but I'm going to be honest here. They kind of dumbed her down as well. Um, They introduced this new character who I promise you, she's so easy to forget. I can't even remember her name. That one chick was like with the blue and she had like that crown tiara type thing going on. She looks exactly like Jackie Briggs from Mortal Kombat, okay? I'm going to be honest on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. And they had, like, this implied relationship, like, almost like there's something going on between you two, like, kind of like Cora and Asumi from Legend of Cora. It's not, it's not implied. This is Tila's new girlfriend, okay? Like, this is oh, 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 
Okay. Here's the thing. I will say also that was also one of the things that even my um my father-in-law was really upset about too because he was like, hold on, hold on. He said it's one thing, okay, you know, Tila has a girlfriend or something like that, but the thing about it is, is that that was never hinted at in the original series. There's been years of Tila's been seeming like she likes He-Man. It's been years of that constantly. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, my mentality got destroyed. Now I'm a lesbian. At that point, well, you, you, you're not even making, like, you're, you're making it wrong. Like, it'd be one yeah. thing if that's just how she turned. Like, she decided to kind of go that way. That's fine. But the way that the writing is set up, is set up of, oh, you men lied. Oh, I was lied to by the man that I thought I liked. And now I'm going to go to a woman. Now when you're you think about at- it. Coming at the yeah. lesbian community the wrong way. Don't do that to them, man. Don't do that to them. <laughs> now, hold on. Here's the funny thing about that. He-Man and Tila are now considered gay icons. But here's the difference. He-Man became a gay icon accidentally. Tila is practically being forced upon, you know, because of the pandering, the virtue signaling, and, oh, because LGBT you know, pride community that wasn't as prevalent as it is now. So now we have to add on like 30, 40 years of progression into this show. But the spirit of the whole thing is ruined because of the pandering and the modernization of it. Yeah. It's just, it's too much being forced down. Like you're forcing too much to happen. To the point that things are getting misconstrued. We're not. I'm, there's no way to really make it understandable at this point. It's just, it's a what the fuck type thing. So then, here's another thing that was also kind of got me too. This is this is something that was I found very very interesting. So they go to the afterlife in the um like the heaven realm stuff, right? And they run into Adam. They run into Prince Adam there. So, like he's like, what are y'all doing here? And without them even having to say anything, all of a sudden, he just pulls out. He's like, oh, you're here for the sword. Here you go. I don't know what you're going to do with it, though. Here's again, here's the thing. He starts off saying, what are you guys doing here? They never told him. All of a sudden, he pulls the sword. He pulls this random sword out of his back that was never there. The sword wasn't even there. We've seen (laughs) their back. (laughs) We've seen this. <laughs> and all so, of a sudden, was it like one of those things? Hold on. Was it one of those things where like there was some animation that the magic sword appeared, or was it more like, okay, it wasn't there at first, but then they switched to the frame and then they go pan back to him and they're like, oh, suddenly he's there. Like, hold on, hold on, that wasn't there before. What the fuck? It still wasn't on his back when he pulled it. It's like he pulled it oh. out of some magical and just pulls out a random sword. I'm like, what the Nigga, what? <laughs> Something's wrong. <laughs> Something is wrong. That's a small detail that a lot of people miss. I didn't miss that. I was like, hold up, this dude had no. This dude had no sword on his back whatsoever. Where you pull this from? This ain't no video game. This ain't no. Oh, I just reached <laughs> back and like bazooka pops out my back. That oh, I was carrying it the whole time. Where? <laughs> just. just yeah, it was. Oh my god, it was so weird. Um, I was real happy about you know we got a chance to hear about Gray Skull and stuff. But I'm gonna be honest on this too. Um, I wanted to make a post about this. And I know I shared it in our group, in our main group. So you guys definitely looking out for various different things that we like to share. We like to talk about all different types of stuff. Um, 
it still hasn't been fully explained about Grayskull being a dark-skinned man with dreads. So the thing about this is, is the fact that there was a while ago, there was a guy that I follow is um, Devil Cosplay. Um, he and his son got ridiculed because he was the he was the first recorded. I'm not gonna say he was actually the very first. But he was the first recorded black man to cosplay as He Man. But then what he also did was he wound up putting an afro on to do this as well. So he got ridiculed a lot about it and it was so much hate and stuff that happened. This happened back in 2019 and it was still going on even last year and stuff too. So when He-Man Revelation came out, I was, I was also one of the ones that questioned it too, but some people had actually questioned was the fact that they wound up making multiple different He-Man of different cultures and stuff and having Grayskull to actually be a dark skinned man was that because of the ridicule that he had, that him and his and his two year old son received, um, because from all the majority white fan base, and there's no real explanation. Even he says, "I don't know." Like he actually released a video recently. I shared it on my um, on actually on my story, and he was honest about it. He said, "Not honestly." He said, "I don't know." He said, "But what I do know is when they were originally writing, he made revelation." They, I did receive a message from them about the fact that they were upset about the fact that how people was ridiculing him. And it was also still during the time period that they were writing it. So there is a chance that there could have been a big change based upon the ridicule that he got, but he doesn't know. There's no, He has not been told anything. They've never came out and just straight up said that themselves. It's just... During the time period that they were writing this, that they were writing this series, he was getting ridiculed and they did hear about it and they did reach out to him about that to try to make it to try to make sure that he felt better because of the fact that he was getting lashed for no reason. Just for cosplaying as something that he loved when he grew up. So there's no real say so in that, but it, they did wind up making it canon that Grayskull was a dark skinned man, that the original He-Man was black. Wow, so it's almost like we're going to defend you by making it so that Grayskull, who was considered like the strongest in the universe, a black man. So I was like, okay. Okay, so there's, a there's major no con- mechanical change. There's no confirmation of that, but that is... Yeah, there's no confirmation, out. but it's almost like mm, the coincidence of it, though. Oh, yeah. He, even he said it. He says, like, I don't know. He said, people ask me, and he's like, I don't know. He said, this is all that I do know. They did reach out to me during that time period that they were writing. Now, this is where <laughs> so this is where writing starts getting even more wonky. So we find out that the, all the champions have the ability to run through the realm. They're able to run through the afterlife and have fun and eat whatever food they want to eat. They're able to just live and just enjoy eternity in just paradise. Like they have water that never runs out. You have lee, you have um trees that never runs out of fruit. Um, you have endless, endless animals to to kill, to have meat and be able to eat. Like you know, it's, it's literal paradise. You can take care of yourself without having to worry about anything running out. It's supposed to be all eternal. But then you find out. Um, Prince Adam talks to Moss Man, and Moss Man explains the fact that he says the only reason you're able to enjoy paradise like this is because you were a champion 
He said, if you weren't a champion, you'd just be like everybody else's souls, and you'd just be one of the grains of dirt supplying nutrients to everything. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, wait. So because I'm a champion, I get to step on people's souls is what I'm understanding. (laughs) Otherwise, I'd just be... So literally, because I'm a champion, I have privilege. Yeah, I was like, hold up. Hold up. Hold up. I see, I don't think y'all really thought this through when y'all was writing this. So, hold on a second. <laughs> it said, uh, y'all, y'all didn't think this through. Some, y'all didn't think that people's going to dissect this, but like, hold the fuck up. <laughs> I won't say a certain kind of privilege, but that sounds like privilege to me. It's definitely privilege. It screams out privilege. That's exactly, exactly what it is. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, in hindsight, that was not well thought out. And remember, uh, who wrote this shit? That part. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, man. So yeah, it's uh, it, it, it's some crazy, crazy, crazy shit, bro. It, uh, I don't know. So then Grayskull and Adam wound up talking about the fact there's got to be a way to get these living people because the living people like Tila and the group and Evelyn and <clears throat> and all them. Oh yeah, Orko dies in the most dramatic ass fashion because um, Orko has never been able to do magic properly after having to battle it out with Evelyn. Not not fight against Evelyn, but he and Evelyn had to team up together. And take down this giant monster. Um, Orko finally was able to do magic and actually do exactly what he's supposed to do. They also explain his name. He's called Orko because that's just what people call him. But his real name is actually Oracle because his mom and his dad originally wanted him to be the greatest magician there ever was. So... They called him Oracle after that. But because of how bad he was at magic, people just called him Orko and it just kind of stuck and he just stuck with it. So, yeah, nice little tragic backstory there before all of a sudden he dies. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, what? (laughs) Bruh. Like, honestly, this is why I'm kind of glad I kind of slept on this show, because I would have been so mad watching this. Yeah. Matter of fact, even worse than that, uh, Robot Man dies. Uh, Robot Man. Yeah, so Robot Man dies because they finally get the two swords and they have to be able to melt them together back into the power sword again. But it's going to be such an immense amount of, of magic and science and power to do so. They're like, there's no person who could do this and survive unless, like, you're some type of immortal type shit. Robot Man is like, I can do it. He's like, my whole, he's like, my, I have a special power here, power cell that's pretty much like the, the extremely strong power cell. I can use that to, to bring the source together. And he does. It causes a giant explosion and he doesn't make it. And his mm-hmm. last dying words was that even though he's a robot, he's like, I actually feel fear. He says, Tila, when you meet dad again, let him know that he didn't just create a robot. 
he created a son because I feel, I feel fear of death and then dies. And I'm like, yeah, this is the most dramatic shit. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yo, what the fuck is going on? It's like uh, Pinocchio and Geppetto, whatever his name is. But it was. That is exactly what it was. I'm a real boy. I'm like, <laughs> I'm get out of here. Desecrated Oracle. You done desecrated Robot Man. I said, there's no wonder people been trashing this series. <laughs> like, this is, I was like, you just not making sense. Hold on. You're destroying the characters. Like, you're not, you're not doing the characters justice. You're not really doing it right. You you just last minute destroyed them based on all the buildup that we've had from them from over the series, and you just gave them a last minute BS and then killed them off. And it's like, what, uh-huh. what is going on? <laughs> like, what's going on, man? It's just it's really not fair. It's it's really just not fair. Like you you're desecrating our people. And why? So, and then the final episode is some even more bullshit. Um, right? Adam comes back. He comes back with Tila and them. They find out there's a special tower in the paradise that if you go down the tower, it will take you back to Grayskull into the land of living. And then, you know, Adam asked a very good question here. He asked Grayskull, he said, hold up, this shit's been there all this time. How come y'all ain't came back? But then Grayskull looked him dead in his eye. He said, we did. We're not <laughs> supposed to go. It's unnatural, boy. <laughs> and one of those Kratos moments, he said, boy. I was like, oh, yeah, that's Kratos right there. Ooh, look at that. <laughs> Come here, boy. That's what I felt like. Like, can I point out real quick how, how some people pointed out? Why is it that Prince Adam looked more feminine than all the women? Because he's supposed to be considered um, privileged and spoiled. If you pay attention to the original series, which they definitely didn't do in the Revelation, um, when you meet other kids that are like younger than him, like not little kids, but when you meet um, like young young people who are younger than him, they have more build because they have to work the land. That's how they survive. He lives as a he's a prince. He doesn't have to do anything. They bring him food. They cook his food for him. He hasn't he doesn't have to fend off anything. So that was on purpose. He's supposed to look scrawny because he doesn't do anything for himself. Mm. <clears throat> okay, fair enough. Yeah, so it, it makes sense. And I asked him, like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, one of the things also, you know, they mentioned that Adam decides when he goes to Eternal when he goes to Eternal Realm that um, unlike Grayskull and everybody else who chooses their their hero form of like their ultimate power and shit like that, um, Adam decided that he did not want to be He Man. He wanted to be Adam there so he was like you're the first person that didn't choose your hero form and i was like your hero form i said is this all might y'all just, <laughs> just swell up just, i am here <laughs> <laughs> like that's versus adam's like no i'm just gonna be scrawny <laughs> i was like what i it swear was, to god all might is one big human reference i'm gonna be mad I'm, I, he is. Look, don't be. Don't say if he. He is. We know he is. Don't <laughs> he is. No, no, no. I'm just saying, like, if it was confirmed that oh, All Might was kind of 
inspired by He-Man. If it was confirmed, then I'm like, okay, I'm mad <laughs> Because you even admitted that. <laughs> he is, look, I, in my opinion, he's a He-Man. Come on, he goes from scrawny to all of a sudden. He's like, I just swell my muscles and... <laughs> <laughs> We're connecting the dots, people. We're connecting them. All the dots always connect. But yeah, it's just... uh, And then the final episode is even BS because Adam comes back, he gets the sword of power, and he goes back to where he died at. And he looks at the place. He's like, damn, that's where I died. He said, all right, let's bring magic back. Pulls the sword up. He says, by the power of Grayskull, you know, he's pulling magic back. And right before... Have the then get stabbed through the chest. <laughs> I have the power, my bad. Yeah, yeah, but, but he, he doesn't even say power yet. He doesn't even transform the He Man yet. Before he even turns, he gets stabbed through the chest. Uh, Guess who fucking stabbed him? They were like, what's that? Voldemort. Oh, sorry. No, my bad. Skeletor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Here's why I say Voldemort, because this is exactly what made me mad. Skeletor pops back up again, stabs Adam in the chest, and then everybody's in a shot like, hold the fuck up. How the hell are you here? <laughs> Nigga, we saw you dead. <laughs> what <the fuck> <laughs> <going on? laughs> like, everybody's in shock. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> How the it's hell are you like, It was like, okay, they're going to be like this big callback moment, and then Skeletor was like, no, 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 none of that. <laughs> uh, now, Skeletor says, oh, he literally turns the evil in because he pops up out of her staff. He's like, oh, let me explain how I came back. And in the most Voldemort from Harry Potter fashion. This Hold dude on, says, did he right literally here, have, did he literally have a perfect cell moment? Yes. He literally <laughs> put his essence, right before the explosion happened, he put his essence inside of evil Lynn's staff. So his body was destroyed. But while he was recuperating inside of her staff, he literally became that he turned the staff into a horcrux because he put a piece of his soul in there and now he's able to. And the first thing that said is he said, so after all this time, magic is dying in the world. And now all of a sudden, homeboy decides to come back. Yes. He's like, so. This feels like a fusion of not only Perfect Cell, but I'm also getting Naraku vibes from this guy now. And I'm talking about this right here. I was like, hold up. (laughs) I said that. Because they always got this tricky way of coming back. Like, there's always some sort of bullshit that they do to be resurrected or reincarnated in some way. What it is, it's a JoJo reference. That's what it is. I was a step ahead of your step ahead of your step ahead of your step ahead. And now <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> oh, God. So literally Fucking homeboy comes Theo. back, stabs Prince Adam. So I want you to understand, Adam has died in the beginning of the series. The final episode comes back, in a sense, comes back to life. Right before he's able to even become He-Man again, dies again. <laughs> Dude literally wasn't even alive for 10 minutes. <laughs> He wasn't even alive for 10 minutes. You know, when you think about it, when you think about it, after 40 years of He-Man, it's almost as if it's like, okay, let's just go ahead and ruin the whole trope to where 
I'm just going to go ahead and let you transform. Skeletor know his lesson by now. Like, uh-uh. After 40 years, he just watched you doing that shit. I was like, nope. I'm going to have to cut that out right now. <laughs> Positive way of explaining it, the most negative way of explaining it in, in writing aspect is let's let's destroy He-Man. Once. <laughs> let's just ruin He-Man for people over and over again. Hey, not only did he die once, he died twice <laughs> in mm. six episodes. And I'm like... But this is a He-Man story. Okay. Been lied to, bro. It's, and then, the, then it ends with Skeletor. After he explained how he comes back, he grabs the sword of power. And he's like, "Who dares think they're gonna stand up to me now? Your champion is dead. Who thinks you can stand up to me now?" Everybody backs up, like, "Damn, uh, I don't know what the hell we're gonna do." And he said, "I thought so." And then he calls forth the power of Gray Skull. Says, "I have the power, and now we have a Skeletor He-Man." And that's the end of the first season. So that's almost like a berserk kind of ending. It's like, yep, the bad guy wins, but unless, of course, there's going to be a season two coming on. Like, be. Yeah, but, okay. um, man, so, yeah, uh, all my Heat Man folks, I'm sorry, y'all. I, I'm, dang, I didn't even write this, and I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry for this <laughs> terrible destruction that happened here. Um, as far oh, as I'm sorry, have your expectations been subverted? And then Evil in like, you know, I'm I'm up here. I was getting Cora vibes from you. They changed up her outfit a little bit, and she looked like Legend of she like Cora from Legend of Cora. I promise you, she had the exact <laughs> same outfit on as Cora throughout the whole series. Like this whole water bending outfit with the furs and everything, the long coat. And then she grew her hair out. Evil is always known for having like really, really short hair. She decided to grow her hair out all the way down her back. I'm not gonna lie, man. Evelyn was looking sexy as hell. But then, <laughs> you know, him like, oh, Evelyn's coming over to the good side. Like when Orko died, Evelyn shed a tear. Like she actually shed a tear for that nigga. She was like, God damn, you know, I was just bonded with this man and with this little this little imp, and then he's dead. And like shit, I feel so bad. Then Skeletor comes back. She's like, Well, it was good being on the good side for a little while. So I'm going to hop my little sexy ass back over here to the evil side and everything. And then she stands right <laughs> outside. <laughs> I was like, How you have this character build for Evil End and then all of a sudden just ruin it all? Just. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, shit. I was like, yo, y'all, I was like, this writing is terrible, y'all, y'all done did some shit, so, <clears throat> all right, so I'm done talking about terrible writing, did you, <laughs> that's, that's not, sorry, not He-Man, that's Masters of the Universe minus He-Man on Revelation, have <laughs> 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 the last minute thoughts on this one, <laughs> well, you know, minus He-Man, minus Man of Arms, Minus Robot Man, minus, you know, any substantial core feelings for He-Man as a franchise. I just feel like if this was the final nail in the coffin as far as the He-Man franchise, this is it. And I thank Kevin Smith for that. Yeah. And I'm be honest, this is one of the things about it, too. I was very upset. Eva Lynn hyped up Man of Arms consistently. Like, multiple times she didn't say it about the fact that I'm telling everyone He-Man is not the one to be afraid of, it's Man-at-Arms. He is the most dangerous person on this entire planet. Sheena said that, she said that phrase twice, okay? And then when they was about to get 
killed. All of them was about to get killed. Man in arm shows up last minute, starts blasting motherfuckers out. Like, mm, 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 mm. nigga, who y'all think I am? I'm man in arms. Fuck all y'all. And he like just comes, starts decimating people. And then he leaves. And then she's like, what I tell y'all, he's the most dangerous man. Y'all thought I was joking. <clears throat> all this hype. And then at the end, man in arms is just standing there. You like, yeah. you know what? You might as well dub Revelations as the Legend of Korra of the He-Man franchise. Uh, <clears throat> honestly, Legend of Korra I mean, was like much, much than this. It was not. Like, it was not bad. I mean, I'm not saying Legend of Korra was all that bad. It's just more like compared to the reception from the fandom, it's more like, yeah, it's just not the same though. It's just Look, not the same anymore. I did share something that if you haven't seen yet, there's an animator that I follow on YouTube that makes like cat people. It makes like um at little anime chibis of people mm-hmm. and stuff and stuff. So he did a fight between um Aang versus Korra. Like, you know, obviously not a real thing, but you know, it's like how would it be like if Aang during his prime and Korra during her prime, both of them having master of all elements and stuff, um, duking it out against each other. I will say this animation is top notch. That I I loved it. I loved the writing into it. It wasn't even as much talking into it, but as far as when the amount of conversation that was there, I loved the beginning. I loved the end. So <laughs> I did share that. I'm gonna encourage you to go watch that. It is on the page. I'm gonna go find it again. I'm gonna share it again. <laughs> <clears throat> because it was beautiful. Right. It was beautifully. But I, that's just a little side note that I did want to mention about that. Um, <laughs> But I want to go ahead and move on to She-Ra. Let's talk about some good writings now. Um, after we got past the bad writing, um, She-Ra. Now She-Ra actually is a is a remake of the series from two thousand from the nineteen eighties. It aired from two thousand eighteen to two thousand and twenty. So for those of you guys who you know watched the last episode and are watching this, when you understand that when I talked about She-Ra last time, I talked about a lot of different plot holes that was there. Well, they eliminated all those plot holes. Um, Shira, like Adora, is no longer Prince Adam's twin sister. They said, "Fuck all that." <laughs> she is. I'm my own woman now. It's literally, she, but she is an orphan girl who wound up getting chosen by the Sword of Protection to be the new protector of the realm of Etheria. So, she literally is is an underdog. It's an underdog story where she was at the very bottom. Um, she doesn't have any parents. She's barely fending for her life. She's like 17. Yeah, during this series, she's like 17 years old. Um, so she's trying to just fend herself. She's just trying to live, and that's all she's trying to do. So um, she's trying to go just do what is whatever it is that she can. Um, but the thing is, she winds up getting chosen by, and I want y'all to understand this, a sorceress that goes by the name of Light of Hope that is the guardian spirit of the Sword of Protection and reveals to Adora that she is the new chosen warrior to protect Etheria. Mm. So they eliminated the plot holes, but they definitely did keep the original She-Ra, He-Man vibes of, okay, yeah, this is kind of cliched out, but okay, we're going to make it work. (laughs) (laughs) But it's okay, though, because unlike the original She-Ra series where you had, like I told you before, Adora in the previous series was she was the captain that led the horde and was decimating people's villages and towns and stuff like that. This one is different. This is no longer a Xena story. This is a girl who's trying to figure out this power. She's trying to understand what it is that she's meant to do. And she's just trying to come up and just trying to save the world. 
But at the same time, she's also a teenager. So for all you big Disney fans, I'm going to let you know this right now. It feels like it's the same writer that wrote Shira. It's the same person that wrote um, Amphibia, Owl House, and uh, Star vs. the Forces of Evil. Because I promise you, you get the exact same vibes. It's literally the vibes of a girl finding herself in a whole new world, in a sense. And she has this, uh, she has a overcompelling dominance over people that she doesn't even know about. But she's trying to just kind of work it together. But at the same time, just trying to live her life and, you know, save the world. You know, she's just trying to fit in. Literally, it's just a girl trying to fit in who also has super over extra magical powers and shit. Um, <laughs> a whole new world. A whole but, uh, new place I never knew. There you go. <laughs> so the series is very simple. Um, one of the other things as well, too, when I was talking about Shira in the last episode, I purposely did not mention any of the side characters. Um, Shira, just like how He-Man had side characters like Man-at-Arms, Orko, and um, you know, Skeletor had villain had his villains like Beastman, Evelyn, and Triclops and shit like that. Like, you know, like they, the side characters in He-Man made sense and they were important the side characters of Shira did not make sense they were not important um, but in the remake we finally have significant more characters characterization these other characters are now extremely important into the story because with Shira not becoming some over badass fighter like she was in the original in the remake She's a young girl who has no idea what she's really doing. She's just trying to figure stuff out. So she's having to rely on friends, on these new people that she's meeting along the way to help her out. So we finally have a lot more story development. We finally have a lot more touch them and comeuppance of Adora and all these other characters. And it's, that's what actually makes the writing so much better. But then again, like I said, it's going to feel exactly like Star versus the Forces of People, Amphibia, and Owl House, um, where she's meeting new people. Some people may start off as like enemies, but then eventually come over to the good side. Um, there's people who's going to start off on the good side who defect over to the bad side. Is this going to happen type stories? And, some, and you will actually see that development happening. You will see these characters slowly start changing based upon her influence or whatever she does, influencing what happens in their lives. So you will see these things happen. So that's what actually makes the writing so much better than the original She-Ra. So for those who are kind of looking for, oh, this is a grown woman trying to do stuff, you're not going to see that. That's not what's going to happen in this series. It's going to be another teenage girl trying to figure herself out but with super magical powers. So keep that in mind if you ever do to actually decide to watch this series. <clears throat> so okay. it's very, very different on that, but it's it's just kind of what happens onto it. Okay. So okay. she she's trying to go ahead and figure her life out. Um and she's trying to do what she can. And she's just trying to figure things out little by little. You know, it's it's a really good series. Is this something kind of worth watching about? Um, one thing I do want to mention as well is that Shira. Um, is a lesbian. <clears throat> she does have a <laughs> one of the main side characters um, winds up being her girlfriend. But 
something does happen to her in the series that winds up leading her to go to the bad side. So it winds up becoming a personal aspect. It was already kind of personal for to fight against the Horde anyway, but it became more personal when now the love of your life is now fighting against you. So there is a little bit of that. In it yes, there is still as well some, some of the LGBTQIA in there as well. <clears throat> wow. Um, other than that, I mean, there's not... I, I could break down every single episode, but there's really not much of a need to. This is one of the ones I would just say, just, just watch it. Like, every episode is just a different story for her. Like, she's... It's just... The storyline is very simple. She's... She got the sword of power, not sword of power, the sword of protection, and she's trying to defeat the Horde. And she's trying to bring peace to Etheria. It's a very simple story that all types of crazy stuff happens. I mean, there's little twists and turns that can make great mentions, but other than that, it's a pretty simple storyline. Unlike Revelation, as you can tell, that I felt like they had no idea where the story was going. So, <laughs> I don't even know what <laughs> No, I had <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. God, I lost the right. <laughs> but go ahead, man. Keep going. But I mean, that's pretty much it. It's a very simple thing. Um, my bad. She's 16, not 17. Yes, yeah, so she's 16. So yeah, she, you know, she's still in hitting puberty and shit like that too. So yeah. But other than that, I mean, that's that's about it. Like it's pretty simple. Um, it's 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 a decent show. It definitely won an Emmy, an Emmy in the category of outstanding daytime pro um promotional announcement, um network or program. So it did win an Emmy. So, like I said, it is definitely something worth watching. It's on Netflix. It's you know, a Netflix original. You know, as a parallel, <laughs> it's funny to where I'm glad this Shira version is winning it. Wait, did she win the Emmy already? Or it's just a nominee or something like that. Uh, they won. They actually won it. In they the, did won. Okay, cool, 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 cool. So she did win the Emmy. Well, I'm looking at Revelations, <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if it receives a raspberry. You remember the raspberries? Yes. What? <laughs> <laughs> and like, watch Kevin would... Smith go up that stage, accept that war with tears in his eyes, like he always do in his videos. <laughs> God Almighty, it's just, ugh. but yeah, it's a the Sheer series is actually the the new 2020 20, um 18 2020 is actually really good. It is something kind of worth watching. Um, so it, it's it's good, it's good. It's definitely a good idea into it. It it works out much better. <clears throat> it works out much better. Like I'm be honest on. So it's it, give it a watch, give it a chance. It is worth watching. It's definitely there. Um, but that's that's pretty much all I got for Shira. Um, I really just that's just kind of just a quick mention for her as much because it's just a good series. Well, to me it was. I liked Amphibia. I'm still watching Owl House. Um, I definitely like Star versus the Forces of Evil. Well, I'm be honest, I couldn't get past the first ten episodes at first. I kind of had to get further on past the stupidity and then got to the storyline <laughs> and it got better for me. So then I was like, okay, there we go. So, <laughs> but um. Other than that, yeah, like, I mean, I do, I like the series, I like those series. Disney's been doing really good, so I wouldn't be surprised if Disney actually had something to do with this, but, you know, 
Netflix claimed it as their original, so probably not. But it's got some of the same feels, the same vibes to it. Okay, okay, okay. Did you have any other more. any other remarks for Shira and the uh, the power, the Princess of Power? Ah, uh, let's just put it like this: at least with this female superhero, she's doing something right with her story. Unlike some of the other stories I'm seeing to where, you know, we just need to have a strong female role for reasons because, you know, we have to be in a progressive world now, but you're making it so blatant that it's almost unattractive. Like, bro, why are you trying so hard? But with this show, it sounds like, okay, like they're just making it feel more organic for her to be like finding herself while saving the world at the same time. And like, that makes sense. That. When you um, described it like that, I was like, you know what? That makes total sense to me. It feels organic when I heard that. So I was like, okay. I yeah. like it. Yeah, it was, uh, so I found it, it, was, it was Netflix and DreamWorks. It was DreamWorks that kind of did into us. That also explains some of the storyline, of course. Too. <laughs> um, mm. But yeah, it's, uh, it is. It's, it, like you said, it's much better its own thing. It's becoming its own cup of tea in itself. It's not right. part of the big pot anymore. It, and they did. They, they've completely excluded Masters of the Universe completely from Shira in the remake. And it's one of the ones that I, mean, I, I will actually best say. Too. Like, remember when we were telling how, like, we were talking in the first part where it just felt so sloppy where she, they tried to include her into the Masters of the Universe um, saga mainly because they need a strong female lead to look up to. So now that she kind of don't really need to be this like this name drop or this accessory to He-Man's success, she can be her own thing in this new climate that we're in now and be successful as long as you make it organic or at least don't make it so obvious that you're just trying to appease a certain fan base. You know what I mean? <clears throat> exactly. So yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, it was works out well. So that's all I got for She-Ra. Now, I definitely want to move on to um, something that I was actually very surprised um, that they were actually able to make even better. This was very interesting to me. So, of course, we got to talk about Thunder. 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 Thundercats. Oh. So, yes, we wanted to go ahead and bring up, let's talk about first that, well, I mean, first is kind of the main thing I want to talk about. The 2011 anime readaptation of Thundercats. So, the original Thundercats, I'm going to be honest, they carbon copied the characters from He-Man, but they made a much better storyline. <laughs> I'm not saying I don't like He-Man. I do love the original He-Man. I do. But I'm going to be honest, like I said in the last part, Thundercats was better. And you know, having a chance to talk with my father-in-law, who he watched it when he was a teenager, so... He he was agree with me on this. They completely just carbon copied the same characters. Like if you could make down a list of like Lionel is the same as He Man, um, Tila is the same as Cheetah, <laughs> Men in Arms is the same as one of the other. Like all of them are same as far as like how the characters are. You have our main hero who's a boy in a man's body. You have this overly powered woman that at first seems like why are you here. You just kind of like there who's for some bizarre reason infatuably infatuably in love with the adult version of the boy uh, which really kind of 
really messes up the writing into it, but you know, whatever. You have this overparent badass that's there that you're like, why do we even need this main character? This motherfucker should be the main, be the main character. <laughs> men in arms, like men in arms, should definitely been the main character. He, man, I'm just gonna be honest there. Um, but so then you have like fucking Orko, like the the little kid, the little one who's always fucking shit up and is just there for the fun and in the humor but other than that serves no real purpose like literally if you could draw up the characters of the heroes and the villains they're exact carbon copies of it <laughs> um and then think but you know one of the biggest differences is unlike like skeletor who gets defeated by he-man every time you have mumra in thundercats who always gets defeated <laughs> by one of the other people he just gets whacked in the head with a magic stick and then turns back <laughs> to dude. And oh, I'm now back a thousand year old mummy that can't get out of my chair. I'll come back and get my revenge and shit like that. <laughs> it like, had its- you know what? Honestly, I last night I was watching the original Thundercast and I watched this cat. Um, hype himself up talking about I'm the mighty Mumra, the ever living, and the very first fight he got to Lionel. All he really does was just trying to swoop over, you know, like try to do flips over his head, like, oh, you can't touch me, you can't get me. But as soon as he saw his reflection and Lionel's gauntlet, he was like, ah! But the funny thing was, it was, it felt like one or two minutes of him having that reaction. I was like, bruh. Like, we get it. You're affected by your reflection. Like, just get off him already. Like, what's with the theatrics, man? Come on. And then he just flies off and goes back into his little coffin. And I was like, oh, there will be another time. I was like, bitch, you got defeated by your own reflection. Get out of here. Oh man, that reminds me of what that character from *Leave Extraordinary Gentleman*. Um, the guy that gets the guy that's a, like immortal, but if you look to his own painting, he dies. Ah, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, <laughs> but it reminds me heavily of that, like straight up. But yes, it's a uh, it it is it's it's the eighties. You know, things are over exaggerated because that's is low. I mean, I I still love Thundercats, but. Now that I'm an adult, I know better, and I'm just like, bruh, are you for real right now? Well, hold on. Here's mind. It's not just you're an adult. It's you're an adult, and you've seen how things have changed for the past, oh, what, 30? Hold on. We're in 2020s now. This was 1980, so shit, 40, 40. years? Yeah, it's been 40 years. <laughs> anyway, you've seen 40 years of development of writing, animation, all that shit. So, I mean, like, it's... I mean, it comes with the territory when we do these things true so yeah i mean it's 40 years back so eh, a little leeway in that i mean even after 40 years it's still worth a rewatch that's saying something like that that itself is saying something yeah sounds like when you think about it going jumping back i was like hold on hold on hold on hold on are you telling me this cat talked all that shit just to be defeated by his own reflection i don't want to hear it That's how it works. But yeah, so we had that. Um, but one of the things, so something that kind of changed up into this is that Lionel in the 2011 anime adaptation, they actually partnered up with a Japanese um, stu- animation studio 
and actually made an anime style fashion of Thundercats. The story, the story is similar, but there's a couple changes that makes it feel much better. So first off, it's no longer a copy of Vegeta from Dragon Ball. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is no longer an exact copy of that. Versus like, oh, their planet got destroyed and now they had to travel to Third Earth. In this series, they're already on Third Earth. In a sense, this is now, I guess, you just opposite of Black Panther. <laughs> you know, it's funny when you think of Third Earth, because, yeah, they went through two different Earths before they got to the Third Earth. But sometimes I wonder, I wonder why if they named it Third Earth, not only because two Earths has been destroyed before then, but because Earth is the third planet from the sun. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was on, uh, you know, I was having a smoke and I was like, you know, thinking you know, this, about it. This is one of these high moments. This is one of them high moments. Yeah, I was like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but... Oh, you know what? Another thing I want to talk about, how, you know, Mumra's little minions, before Mumra came yeah. himself to try to deal with um, Lionel, he had these little minions go and try to gang up on Lionel. How the fuck does it take three of y'all and y'all still can't snatch the sword away from him? Like, y'all should have got done with it already. Like, y'all just really dragged it out like a Dragon Ball Z episode, for real. It's- is literally the same as He-Man, man. Like, come on. You got He-Man who all of a sudden, like, he take he can literally take on tanks and people and like Beast Man, Triclops, and Evil In all at the same time, and none of them can touch him. The only person that successfully managed to knock the sword out of his hand, like, I think only twice was Skeletor. And even then, after he knocked it out, He-Man just rolled, did a fucking um uh Dark Souls dodge roll back <laughs> and grabbed the sword again. <laughs> <laughs> and then went charging back full at him again. So it's like, I mean, it, like I said, it was it was carbon copy. It's definitely carbon copy. But yeah, um, so yeah, in this one, in, in the anime adaptation, they're already on Third Earth, and the king and the Thundera is no longer a planet. It is now a kingdom. It is its own kingdom. But I say it's the kind of the reverse of Black Panther, whereas. In the Marvel series, you know, he had Black Panther, like the Wakanda, the kingdom of Wakanda has like advanced technology um, far beyond anyone else in the entire world. Like their technology is far more advanced than everybody type of thing. But in the anime adaptation of Thundercats, it's the reverse. Um, the, king, the kingdom of Thundera, they're like, in a sense, primitive. Like they live in villages, they go out and hunt and things like that. They don't really touch technology. But Lionel, um, during this talk, so he's much older. He's no longer like a 10-year-old boy. I think he was like 10, like 10 to 12. Um, he's no longer that young. They made him a little older. He's like 17. So he's older, and he has a little bit more knowledge, and he believes in technology. He believes that there's a way of doing things more scientific versus just relying on just magic and you know normal primitive hunting and shit like that. So... His father doesn't believe in him. He's like, no, there's no such thing as that. There's no need to kind of go into all that. Just let it go. Then Mumra shows up, bringing technology, and takes over and winds up destroying the kingdom 
and Lionel's having him and his group of friends, him and his group of royal guards are having to flee and, you know, try Bruh. to get alive. So it's I similar. don't know why. Like, I'm sorry for interrupting, but I don't know why, but, you know, it'd be kind of a lit idea if Thundercats had a crossover with Voltron because of the fucking lion mechs that they got. And that itself would be fantastic, but at the same time, I don't quite know how that would go. I mean, I just got that vibe going on. It's like, you know, with lion and the uh, Voltron Lions, I'm just like, hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Like, especially if they had, like, this, um, just five, wait, no, it was six people, right? Like, red, blue, green, yellow, and it's black. I think they have pink sometimes, but I don't know. But, you know, I'm getting off track. Go ahead. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> biggest differences is in um the original thundercats they're hunting down that they have the sword of omens and they're trying to hunt down the book of omens and try to see if they could defeat mamra that way and shit um the biggest difference also is that for the re for the anime adaptation readaptation of it they do find the book of omens but the book of omens says that the only way to defeat mamra is to unite all races on third earth so mm. by the cats, um, unfortunately, the lizard men who also are under Rumrod, you have to get some lizard men on your side too. Um, it's a whole bunch of different things. Like all the different races on Third Earth have to come together and then they can finally defeat Rumrod for good and put him away for good. So the storyline is literally just them trying to go through the entire, go around the entire planet and unify everybody so they can finally put the great evil to rest. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, reading this and it's weird it's one of those things I can understand that Mortal Kombat, the new Mortal Kombat 11 mm. I'm adapted this and I didn't even realize that because in the new Mortal Kombat 11 that's one of the things that Katana does she does what no con before has ever done she has successfully unified um, out realm, outer realm mm. So she's unified all the races. She's unified, um, like she's unified the Baraka's race. She's unified um, the Tarkat, yeah, the Tarkatans. She's unified um, Goro's race and Shiva's race. She's unified the um, normal Outworlders, and she's brought them all together under one con to be able to actually work together versus just conquering everything. And I didn't realize that was kind of the same concept because the big bad they had to break, they beat was not just Shao Kahn, but of course in that one, Kronika, but that's a whole different story. But it's known to defeat the big bad Shao Kahn. So, you know, it's like Shao Kahn wants to conquer all, but instead, instead of allowing him to conquer us all, we all just unify together. We can defeat the big bad and actually bring peace together. Um, or even, matter of fact, we were talking about Raya and the Last Dragon a couple episodes ago, remember? It's, it's the same yeah. concept. The same concept. Mm -hmm. For the pearl to come back and all the the evil to the evil um speed the evil like blobs and shit to go away forever. It literally just had to be put our differences aside and unify together, and we can finally defeat the great evil. There you have it. So one of the things also, um, which is like I said, Thund the original Thundercats had a much better story to it. Um, it definitely adapted more into the characters. You can see every character's importance minus that one. Um, <laughs> you can see. <laughs> every character's importance into that 
But then the anime adaptation gave them even more characterization, even more feels. You you were reading like you would watch the show and feel like you was reading a book and actually understanding these characters more, which is something that, you know, you was, I'm honestly surprised they were able to make it better. That's one of the things that I really was surprised about. They actually made it better. But unfortunately, Thundercats wound up getting canceled only after one season. They were supposed mm. to have two episodes, but unfortunately, they only had 26. Season one, it was canceled after season one because it just wasn't popular. However, I don't know what time it is because I've been trying to search for these past few days, but you, they actually do still show this in, on Toonami on TV even today still. You just mm. got to find what time it is. But they actually do show the 2011 anime readaptation of Thundercats on on Tsunami and Adult Swim. So you can still go back and watch that. You just gotta find it. Sadly. <laughs> well, also it's on Hulu, so you can always binge watch it. It is on Hulu. I didn't think about that. I don't have Hulu anymore. That's how I, that's how I watched the original. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, original is on Hulu. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, I mean, so like in all honesty, as far as like today, I mean, this part we just kind of you know really just got a chance to touch base on the readaptations or continuations of He-Man, She-Ra, and Thundercats, and it's crazy how much of a flop it was, how much of a flip this was for He-Man and She-Ra, whereas He-Man the original was taken off so well, She-Ra, which was like, man, what the hell, and now. <laughs> He-Man continuation is what the hell, and She-Ra readaptation is yo, this is good. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like <laughs> it's almost as if like okay, while He-Man is dying, She-Ra is getting redemption at the same time. But that's what I'm talking about. The where it's like okay, um, the men need to step down to let the women rise up and become paragons and golden examples for people, not just women, but people in general to follow. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, this is one of those things, like, and honestly, you can see sides of both, you know. You have a chance of watching Revelation, you see them throwing stuff in there, forcing it down our throats, and it's like, don't make us do that, where instead, Shira has his own way of making it his own self. And by making it its own self, its own thing, you know, it was able to blend those elements in and we're able to take it. We're not having to take it with a grain of salt. We're actually taking it with sugar. Like, this is actually pretty good. You know, I'll watch it. I'll continue to do this. This is actually pretty good. Versus you're trying to force this shit down my throat. I don't want that. (laughs) You know, like, I I don't want that. Bring back what you had before. Stop changing the recipe. The recipe wasn't (laughs) broken. It's almost like some people see a formula and it's like, well, I know it works, but we can. It's like the Wishmaster from One Woman 83. It's like, life is good, but it can be better. But I was like, bruh, the formula is fine. It doesn't need to be better. Well, I mean, here's one of the things Thundercats was one of the ones that did differently. You know, the formula was fine and they did make it better. It's just ah, okay. not a chance to try it out. <laughs> so it wound up not doing as well. But this is all the way back Ooh. in 2011. I mean, it's 2021. It's been 10 years now. Um, I'm pretty sure if enough people actually get a chance to watch it, to watch the 2011 version and realize, you know, how good it is or, you know, whatever your own opinion is going to be onto it, it might yeah. have a chance of really coming back. 
I mean, plus still, again, like I mentioned in part one, you know, WB said they're going to try to make a live adaptation. They announced a March this year. They said they were going to do it. So fingers crossed. <laughs> Hoping for the best. <laughs> Why do they always feel the need to have a live adaptation of things? That's what hypes people up. That's just it just is what it is. It's what people want. <sighs> Come on. I mean, Marvel's doing it and doing it fantastically. Everyone's trying to hop in that train. Marvel, I mean, think about it this way. Literally, after the first Avengers movie, the characters who play Steve Roger, Black Widow, Iron Man, hell, even Mark Ruffalo, um, and of course, <laughs> Tom Holland, are literally marked as the five highest gross paid actors in the world. And it wow. started it started for one movie. They, they're literally marked as the highest, the highest paid actors in the world right now. They still haven't been top yet. And now they're replacing these actors because they're too expensive. But <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> You know, you had to step up. They stepped up the game, and now they're stepping up on how much they cost in a little bit more now, too. And plus, like, you know, come on, we've been talking about Robert Downey Jr. as far as, like, he went from being a good actor to being a sloppy actor to being a drug addict to now being one of the highest-paid actors in the world. Like, <laughs> come on, Marvel Marvel did some shit with live actions. They, they turned people's lives around they are grossing shit tons of money. They are they have plans for the next four years, and everyone's hyped about it. We're looking forward to the next four years. <laughs> I mean, so uh, everyone's trying to follow in those footsteps. No, I want to hop on that money train too. Like, let me hop on the car. Let me do this type of thing. That's that's really what it's trying. That's all it is. They're just trying to do it. Right. Oh, oh, it's about that time. So, um, you got any um, final notes for us? I do. Uh, final notes I have specifically is that, you know, just like we mentioned before, some some formulas don't need to be changed. Some formulas do need to be changed. And some formulas can be better. Yeah. Same thing is going to happen in life. You know, sometimes things are going to go well and then it's going to fall. It's okay. Come back up. Just light yourself back up again. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I would like to add that what Kokugasi was saying earlier with the Droon and Ryan the Last Dragon, like essentially united we stand, divided we fall, because how the hell the world's gonna get any better if we're all acting like the world's against us? Like, we're all treating each other like we're the enemy or we're being so selfish with our own agendas that we're not even being united as the communities and that's how the world will stay as shitty as it is because we're not banding together to make things better but that's what i want to do with the zone that's the whole thing is like i know on my own i can probably do great things but with a team or a community backing me up at least then we can make change for the better in a more grandiose way and that's pretty much all there is to the grand ambition but uh, that concludes the He-Man, She-Ra, and the Thundercats review. And stay tuned for more episodes for Adventure Time. We're still going to do Rick and Morty, uh, Banjo-Kazooie and Donkey Kong, uh, Spyro and Crash Bandicoot, and 
other titles and topics going on. But until then, stay nerdy, my friends. Great things are coming. We are zoning out.